With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, this is Graham Jones, chair, state chair for Texas Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and an old retired game warden. Uh, just want to give a good shout out to Impact Outdoors and you're going to be listening to the Impact Outdoors podcast. Strong ad- advocates of private land, private land owners in Texas as well. Texas is 95% plus privately held. So we understand the importance that private landowners have in Texas. Uh, nothing in Texas is going get, to get accomplished related to conservation without private landowners, period. We make it a point to, uh, you know, to fly their flag, too, at our events as well. But our, our lane, very proudly, our lane is our public lands and public waters and advocating for those because there's a lot of people that don't have access to private land and that number is growing. And so, you know, we talk about R3, recruitment, reactivation, um, uh, and retention, and it's like, okay, that's great. Let's let's bring people into hunting and fishing, but they got to have a place to do it. Got to have a place to do it. And so that's where, where BHA, BHA comes in. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Impact Outdoors Podcast. And on this week's show, we've got my good friend, Mr. Graham Jones, who is currently serving as the state chair for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and uh, recently retired as the head of the Game Wardens here in Texas, and is also now a fishing guide up in the Austin area and Central Texas area with uh, All Water fishing and um and just does so many great things and graham's so much fun to talk to uh, this this episode is just full of stories from from being a game warden and 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 really diving into what bha is all about and what their what their purpose is and and some of the great projects they're working on here in texas and, and out in the rest of the country um so really excited to have graham on the show so let's jump right into this week's episode with mr graham jones Well, man, I'm super excited for today's show. Um, I want to welcome Mr. Graham Jones on to Impact Outdoors podcast. And uh, Graham, I really appreciate you getting on. I know both of our schedules have been a little crazy the last couple of weeks, but we finally got together. So welcome. Man, thank you so much. I'm excited about it and uh, really enjoy your podcast. Uh, there's, a, there's a handful that I, I routinely listen to, and yours is certainly one of them. And i uh, just happy to be here today. Well, thanks, man. Um, you know, we've both uh, have spent time at uh, TPWD, and, and uh, I think I ran into you maybe once at headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were walking with Jonathan Gray, maybe, or something um, around headquarters or something, but uh, um, finally got to meet you, really, at, at this most recent uh, Texas BHA event y'all did up in Austin, yep. which was an amazing time and a really, really good event and uh, some really great speakers at that thing. Yeah, the, the, the conservation conversation, the event you're talking about, uh, you know, and first of all, let me just thank you for making the time to come because you and so many other folks came in, you know, from 
a, a relatively you know far uh, flung areas from from across the state um, means a lot to us and just the fact that you were there to support it and the kind things that you've said about it I can't say enough about that um, it was a success and uh, you know that's part and parcel to obviously the sponsors that we had and uh, I'm not you know use this podcast to to fly sponsorship flags, but we couldn't do it without them. But really we couldn't have done it without the volunteers and the yeah. board members and the, and the volunteers that come in from, from all over the state as well to, you know, they get there at six thirty AM to make it work. I'm not telling you anything. You know how these, these events happen. They don't just happen. It's because yep. of people planning, planning and their hard work and effort. So just shout out to, uh, to those guys, uh, Tim Bramer, especially, but, but uh, qu- quite a few folks that really worked hard on that made it a success. And, and I think it, you know, to have that cadre of speakers, um, you know, from obviously, again, from the department and then from various uh, areas, stakeholders, uh, interest in folks that have different varying interests. Uh, it's what, what it's all about. And it's really what Texas is all about. Yeah. You know, and, and everybody had kind of their own little niche that they're in, in the outdoor world, you know, whether it was, food, culinary areas with wild game, hunting, fishing, um, you know, supporting those things um, through various, you know, ordeals like with CCA and stuff and and what you guys do at BHA. But uh, everybody intrinsically has the same message, I think, about conservation and what we, how we see things. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's important to realize in a couple of different ways. You know, I think it's important that we listen to other people's voices and we get their perspective, even if it's something that we don't necessarily personally or philosophically agree with. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of room in the conservation realm. And, you know, we talk about these these sandboxes and these this conservation organizations that, you know, and, and really there's not a lot of that. There's it's it's more of, you know, hey, here's our lane. Uh, maybe it's a lane that BHA has or a lane that, that Delta waterfowl has or coastal conservation has, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, wild Turkey Federation, whatever it is, but the, yeah, there's a primary lane, but there's a lot of intersections that happen, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot. And I think a, a really good perspective there is, is having Ben masters there talking about the mountain lion issue, which is pretty, you know, which can be a little controversial, especially in Texas. Well, more than a little, yeah, but let's hear him way. out and hear his perspective and see what he has to say about it. Maybe we pick up something and learn from him. Uh, and I think that's the thing that we, we, we can't be afraid of maybe sometimes getting a little bit out of our comfort zones to hear what other people have to say. And I just think that that's really, really important. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad, I'm just glad I was able to, to get off and get up there to that. Cause I mean, it was really, just hasn't been a lot of events, especially since 2020, you know, just of, of people being able to get together and, and go to something like this. And, um, um, I made a ton of connections there, you know, and that's what, that's one of the biggest things about these things is being able to go and listen to, to these different views and, and you know, potentially work on stuff together or help them out however we can. And you bet. Stuff. So it was a lot of fun. So you bet. Yeah. And it builds a foundation. It yeah. builds, builds a strong foundation, no matter if you're talking about, you know, the oyster situation that's that's coming up in front of the commission in a couple of weeks, uh, or if it's, uh, you know, the mountain lion issue, or if it's uh, an access, public access or issue, it's, 
it's uh, again, there's so much commonality. I think is is what you're, the point that you that you made earlier is just again. I mean, it's a true we con you know partners in conservation. I mean, period. It's like we're all in this mm -hmm. together. Um, I think really it's it's no it's not good enough. I think it used to be good enough to buy a hunting and fishing license because we know where those dollars go and we know what those dollars do, right? But now I think we all have to, if we really truly care and love the resources and, and want our kids, uh, you know, you mentioned your kids before we started the podcast, if we want them to have the opportunity that we have, um, we have to think, you know, we have to think in that, in that realm and uh, supporting an organization, a conservation organization, whether it's CCA or Flatsworthy um, or BHA, it's now we have, you know, it's like power in numbers and you, you, you got to support and make your voice known in some way and advocate for what we're all talking about. It's not, like I said, it's not, in my opinion, it's not good enough anymore just to buy that license. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, there's, I don't know. I mean, there's just, there's so many more people, um, now and just, I mean, looking at, at where I'm at, you know, it's hard to get the message everything's on social media now mm -hmm. it seems like you know and you know, i'm, I'm join a lot of these groups just kind of keep an eye on stuff what's going on here in galveston and stuff some of these fishing forums and stuff and sure and uh, just some of the things you see and hear on those things i'm like man you guys just have no idea and probably we're never told right you know what's right or wrong ethically you know as far as like conservation measures and and uh you know you were in law enforcement you know so i mean so many people don't pay attention to the rules and regulations and and um, they might buy a fishing license but they don't take the time to understand you know what what's behind that you know what do i need to do to prepare myself to go out in the field whether it's hunting or fishing sure. or and things like that and that's it, a big part of it it's it's a huge part of it that preparation and i think that's where organizations you know like bha or uh twa or the youth hunting program or some of the some of the uh, outreach that folks are doing related to, to, to fishing and first time anglers mm -hmm. uh, is, 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 is that know-how, you know, if there's a, an adult mentored hunting or fishing trip that sort of gives you the, or gives a person the, the, some of that background on, you know, maybe more of the philosophical aspect of it or the respect for the resource, mm -hmm. you know, it's just having that respect. Jesse Griffiths talks about that. The, the the chef you know he's a you know wrote hog book and he's world renowned chef but he gets down to the basics and talks about um, you know the respect for the resource and I think that's so important and and mm -hmm. and how you prepare and care for that game or fish that you've taken or 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 catch and release or whatever it is um, I think just having that and, and to your point I think a lot of people just don't know or have not a lot, but some people don't know or haven't been told. And I think that's where you come in with your podcast and your the educational aspect and the work that you're doing and others are trying to get that word out. And, you know, that's like, I saw the picture the other, the other day of the tarpon, you know, it was sort of brought up there on Padre Island seashore and was, you know, laying there on the sand and, and, and it's just, you know, there's a better way. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we have to look at that as elitists either. You know, so there's, yeah. there's a happy medium in there and it's just, you know, you don't, maybe someone just didn't know, but let's do our best to get that, to get that word out. I think is also is our responsibility as avid hunters and fishermen uh, or anglers. There's a lot of women, obviously that hunt and fish now. So mm -hmm. I use the word, 
board fishermen, but hunter, uh, anglers and hunters um, that, that, you know, it's our responsibility to get that word out. And I think real quickly, uh, I do want to, you know, when you look at the demographics, especially relating to fly fishing and you see how many, um, you know, females, how many women are getting involved in or gotten involved in or helping fly fishing, you know, to grow and are doing their best to advocate and get the word out on, on, on fly fishing and mm-hmm. some of the, some of the etiquette related to fly fishing, respect for the resources I mentioned, you got to give them kudos on that for sure. Yep. So absolutely. Um, so let's get into a little bit about um, BHA, you know, what it, what it is and what your role is within the sure. group organization and, 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 um, and, and stuff. So, yeah, you bet. Um, so first of all, I want to, I want to give, you know, kudos and credit to our board and volunteers. And that's just where I want to start. Um, you know, things, as I mentioned, don't just happen. And there's a lot of work behind the scenes, no matter what event or what, what we're working on, whether it's raising money for a parks and wildlife internship or a boots on the ground habitat improvement, national grasslands, no matter what it is, it's, it's, it all comes down to these volunteers and board members. But I'll tell you what BHA isn't. Um, BHA isn't anti, uh, you know, private land uh, in any way, shape or form. And that unfortunately is a brand that some folks um, who are not educated in what BHA is tend to tend to fly that flag. Um, And I don't want to necessarily start off with controversy, but, you know, you got a lot of people that work really, really hard in BHA and are trying to do the right thing and are trying to join people together and find solutions. The last thing we're trying to do is, is, uh, is, uh, you know, is sort of fuel the fire, um, you know, for that controversy. But I think so many people are after clicks, um, you know, social media clicks or video clicks or likes or whatever that, um, and I'm not going to mention his name, but, um, but he'll, he'll do pretty much whatever it takes to, to, um, you know, to make BHA look like, uh, you know, an organization, which is the polar opposite of what it is. So what BHA is, is what we do is we advocate strongly for public lands and waters and advocate very strongly for a hunting heritage uh, for the North American model of conservation. Um, We advocate strongly for partnerships and conservation. And I think that a track record of BHA speaks for itself. So, you know, I'm not going to going to get into a, a, you know, an argument there. We're this over the last couple of years, we've committed to three years of funding parks and wildlife internships, including a hunt, a Hutton scholar internship with inland fisheries and including a WMA. I mean, a, a WMA uh, internship as well with wildlife division. Um, and so, you know, we're committed to three years of funding there. We have we're, we're working on multiple grants uh, to improve the national grasslands up up in the panhandle for everything from pollinators to uh, antelope and everything in between. We've actually had volunteers out there, you know, getting their hands and, and feet dirty doing that, which is very, very rewarding. But uh, we're working on some access uh, and uh, opportunity along uh, the river, you know, river systems in Texas as well uh, to try to, uh, you know, leverage some funds there for additional access. So basically it's, you know, outreach and education, mentored hunting trips, bringing in first-time hunters, 
public land cleanups. Uh, you know, we go out, we've adopt, we're adopting dove fields right now and going up and picking up holes uh, to make sure that, uh, that those hunters will, or those landowners will lease back that land right. into future parks and wildlife, which is a big deal. We are strong ad, advocates of private land, private land owners in Texas as well. Texas is 95% plus privately held. So we understand the importance that private landowners have in Texas. Uh, nothing in Texas is going get, to get accomplished related to conservation without private landowners, period. We make it a point to, uh, you know, to fly their flag, too, at our events as well. But our, our lane, very proudly, our lane is our public lands and public waters and advocating for those because there's a lot of people that don't have access to private land, and that number is growing. And so, you know, we talk about R3, recruitment, reactivation, um, uh, and retention. And it's like, okay, that's great. Let's let's bring people into hunting and fishing, but they got to have a place to do it. Yeah. You got to have a place to do it. And so that's where, where BHA, BHA comes in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done, you know, several hunts on public land across, you know, I've, I've gotten the, the opportunity to go up to Wyoming and hunt up there for antelope and, and um my biggest passion is turkey hunting oh man and yeah. um you know i you know i haven't made it up to the lbj grasslands up up near dfw area but um over in east texas you know there's some there's a lot of property over there that's public and uh have some pretty good hunting on it and stuff and i never knew it was there till i got right. you know involved with nwtf and hanging out with some of those guys and got invited and uh and stuff but um man just <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think that and the advocacy is also a big piece of it. We're dealing with an issue right now uh, in sort of northeast Texas. Uh, that's a, a, There's a portion of the – near Trinidad, there's a portion of the Trinity River that's been cut off from the main body of the, of the, of the river. Uh, it was cut off back in the you know late 20s and early 30s, and multi-generations of hunters, duck hunters and fishermen, fish anglers, have used that uh, – that area for, from, you know, like I said, multiple generations. And now that's, uh, uh, someone's come in and our opinion is put a, put a fence up on a text dot right away, uh, mm. and made that access, uh, that legal access impossible. And so we're, uh, we're working with, uh, with parks and wildlife and text dot and GLO and the core and, uh, a group called save the cutoff. And these are all local, good, hardworking people that have, that have, that have been now, you know, cut off from the cutoff. Uh, and BHA is, is right there with them, standing proudly along, alongside those folks trying to, uh, to get that access uh, reinstituted. So that's another big piece of what BHA does. It's not a partisan. I don't care what your politics are. Um, yeah. that, 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 that's been used, like I said, for 100-plus years. Now all of a sudden it can't be because of this fence. It's statutorily protected. That water is statutorily protected in statute, mentioning that body of water that's public water in the state of Texas can never be sold. It's there for the people of Texas. And now all of a sudden someone put a fence up. That's unacceptable. Yeah. And BHA, is, like I said, is going to be there. We're going to fight that fight. Yeah, that's awesome. Good good stuff. And, and that sounds like a pretty good spot to go to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a few so, crops swimming around up there. I've yeah, been told. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, and you know, one of the things I see so many people um, getting into you know hunting per se later in life now, 
for whatever reason. Um, you know, I didn't hunt before I moved to Texas. Um, so I mean, I didn't harvest my first deer till I was, I think, 22, 23 years old, you know, and, and, um, um, I always had friends that hunted and stuff. Fishing was my thing growing up, you know, but man, you know, looking back, you know, I was like, man, I just want to spend my money on fishing growing up. I didn't want to get involved in something else, but man, I, I feel like I missed out on all that time that I could have been doing both, you know, but so I really love it now. And I'm really trying to take advantage, um, getting my kids started early, you know, to see if they like it. And, and man, my daughter is just eating up with hunting. Yeah. You yeah. Know, oh, she, is she really? She is something else, man. And uh, she's just for the last two months. She's like, "When are we going? When are we going?" <laughs> so, now, how how old is she? She's eight. Does she like? So, does she like to deer hunt? Or she waterfowl? she hasn't harvested anything yet. Uh, so that's that's the one thing she's really hoping for this year. And uh, uh, but she's been on a bunch of deer hunts, and and she almost got a turkey last year, um, and stuff. But she she'll go stay out all day with me and. Uh, that's what it's you all know, about. So, that's but we're. Uh, I told her I've got to, you know, I'm not trying not to be you know, pushing anything on her. Just let it come to her, you know, as she gets ready and stuff. But she's really good, you know, shooting and stuff. And she got her a little, uh, little bow this past Christmas, so she's wanting to get in with that. And um, but we're going up to her grandmother's house in Missouri for Christmas, and I was like, we're going to buy you a tag up there, and uh, or Thanksgiving. So hopefully maybe she'll get her first deer on a grandma's farm. So right there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, so, I, but my, my dad, who's right down the, that door back there, yeah. right, watching, watching <laughs> Jeopardy back, back there. Um, yeah, he's not a hunter. He's not a hunter. He, he's never hunted in his life. And, uh, it's really interesting. He took me and we're very close, uh, always maintained a very close relationship, but, uh, he, you know, we, we fished a little bit off and on and, and he, he was, pretty busy uh very busy when i was growing up but there was a man that that moved in um i I became best friends with his son we're still friends to this day very good friends and he took me on he took me on uh my first hunt so this was a you know again i think a great example of the fact that uh you know the the influence that people can have uh on on younger folks introducing them to hunting or fishing, it doesn't always have to be apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously there's checks and balances there. And we have to be careful with all that, but uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for, you know, for folks to take other people hunting and fishing, whether they're, you know, young folks or whether they're, you know, adult onset hunters, as we say, or fishermen, um, there's a lot of opportunity there. It's never too late. Yeah. I took a gentleman fly fishing the other night couple of weeks ago we went out one evening he had never casted a fly rod and uh before that day and we went out to lake travis and he caught his first largemouth bass on a fly rod and it was pretty cool never casted so we had a we had a combination casting lesson fishing trip which was really really interesting which i am probably the worst fly fishing teacher (laughs) casting teacher that there is but we somehow got it done and uh he was he was ecstatic and I, and I don't I don't know how old he was but I don't think he may listen to this I don't want to insult him but I think he was somewhere around let's just say plus sixty five it's it's never it's never you're never too old it's never too yeah. late and and keep doing it I think that's the other thing it's sometimes we get busy and we were just talking about before we started how busy our schedules have been and I think 
it's so important just to keep that tradition moving, that tradition alive of getting out to the field, getting your, getting your fishing stuff ready to go fishing the next day, going through those motions is really, once you're doing it and you're there, you're, Oh, thank God I did this. Sometimes it's just hard getting there and you have to push yourself, but, but uh, keeping those traditions, we have a hunting trip that we, a group of friends and I have been doing for 25 years and, I haven't made the last couple of them just because things have gotten in the way, but I really want to make this year because it's, it's so important. Again, it's not about killing a deer, but it's just about being there and, and, and seeing your friends and watching the sunrise or the sunset from a deer blind. It's really hard to, to put a, put a value on that. Yep. It's hard to beat. And I can't wait to, to get out for the first time this year. So I've got a date in my mind when I'm going to get to go before gun season opens. So I'm hoping that nothing comes up at work so I can sneak up there. But so, so do you, are you more of a fisherman or more of a, man, more of a well right now, but um, you know, I've got a deer lease up just North of Fredericksburg between Fredericksburg uh-huh. and Mason. So we've got a place up there and then, um, you know, do the hunting over in East Texas and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and then um, we used to hunt a bunch up in Oklahoma too. You know, after I moved down here, I started hunting back home um, on some family property, and uh, and then up in Missouri. So, but you know, fish fish quite a bit, um, or take people fishing now. I don't really right, do fishing right. for myself very much anymore. But now are you doing? Are you doing pretty much saltwater only? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah thought. near near shore and in the, in the bay stuff, jetties yeah. and that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, the other day, I took my wife out fishing, and I was like, "I'm actually casting a rod for a change." You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. It's totally weird, different dynamic. You know, guiding, but um, kind of like you, I just love seeing people do something for the first time, or yes, or just have a goal and 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 and, and catch the fish they're after or whatever. And I had a, a father and son out for a couple days back to back a few months ago, and and all they wanted to catch was a a bull red. You know, they just wanted to catch a, a big redfish. And, man, we got kind of blown out the first day, so we were kind of hiding in some protected areas. And second day, we made it down towards the jetty area and, and fished all over and just tough, tough bite. And uh, the last hour and a half of the trip, got on one spot, and, and I seen the fish. I seen the whole school of redfish down there. And um, so we set up, and, I mean, it was, you know – bottom of the night two outs and you know put some rods out and man it was just boom 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 and they caught oh, bull redfish for 20 30 minutes straight That's awesome. then all the boats came in on top of us and that was the end of it so yeah and i i heard on a i think it was a podcast actually where alvin was talking about and i respect alvin so much he's probably one i mean no no question i mean he, he's a he's a mentor of mine i, I love alvin and lene to death um and he was talking about how, you know, when you when someone catches their first fish, it's like you're again you're doing it, you're living vicariously through them again, yep. like your first fish, but it's them. And I was like, I kind of get that, but then I started guiding, and that's happened three or four times now, and it's a fantastic feeling uh, for me. It's selfishly, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a big deal for me too. And I took a I took a gentleman, a good friend. Um, and uh, Dominique and his, his daughter, his five-year-old daughter out last weekend. And we had been, I had been fishing on like McCannon for, for stripers and hybrids. And they'd been coming up on top like clockwork. Nice. I mean, I knew where they were coming and 
off these points. And man, we've been killing them for you know months, right? And and uh, I was like, oh man, the wind's perfect. I'm texting Dominic, which is my first mistake. Hey, man, this is going to be great. Just you know, I'm, I'm even going to bring a fly rod, and I'm going to, you know, we'll get her, get her on a fly fish because we were going to take her, going to do some light spinning with her, and uh, they don't come up. <laughs> the fish never came up all day. I mean, I looked and looked, and we looked. We 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 got her. We got her on a couple of fish, but um, they never came up. Yeah. Next day, I had a group fish everywhere. Yeah. Crazy. So go figure. But she 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 was a trooper. And uh, and I, I posted a picture of her on my Instagram and said that she's a pro because she she absolutely is. She never complained one time about those fish about those fish not coming up. So that's exactly what we need in the angling community: less whiners, right? So yeah, yeah. I just so tell I was, people I said you're gonna have the best fishing trips if you have the least amount of expectations. That's it. Oh yeah. I've, I've got you know you get the guys like man I want to hopefully we're limited out on trout or whatever by nine o'clock then we can go catch our redfish and finish on flounder's like oh, okay so you got the whole trip planned out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, um, it's all about the it's all about the uh, the whole experience and that's how ninety nine percent of the folks that I have taken, I, you know, as a as a fellow guide, you're probably th- you, you know you felt it too. You feel the pressure. Yeah. And you you want them to catch you want them to catch some fish you want to them, but you're not a magician you know you yeah. can't make it happen. Um, but everyone's really really and I've got a couple of clients that are repeat clients now and and they get it and they're just they're so good about that kind of thing. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a pleasure it's a pleasure when they have that mindset for sure. Yep, yep. So and and it's just I don't know guiding is just you meet so many cool people from all over just, and it's weird how randomly you'll like, I've had, um, had a guy, I didn't even know they were from Oklahoma. That's where I'm from originally. And they were on the boat and he's just said, yeah, I was like, where are you from? He said, Oh, I'm from Dell city. And I was like, really? It's like, when did you graduate high school? And he went to school with my mom, oh, you know, wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a small and, uh, it's just, you know, just different, different things. You know, I've taken, um, taken a lot of game wardens out, you know, and, uh, from all over place, um, you know, and, um, from different States and stuff. And, and, um, that's always fun getting to hear, you know, all kinds of stories while we're out fishing and and stuff like that. But you have to remind them not to put that small fish in the cooler. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, well, it, it, yeah, it's great. I, and that's the other thing about the people you meet. We, I got a ping, and it was this one guy. He was going to be in town, and he—I think they were, he was in town for a vacation with his wife and a group of friends. And he was super humble, nicest guy in the world. Had no idea, and he literally is a world champion fly caster, and um, yeah, and works in the fly fishing industry and has for a long time. And never said anything about it until I kind of figured it out and started asking him questions. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he said, by the way, yeah. And I mean, I started talking, I mean, he's, he's competed in fly fishing contests all over the world. I mean, I did notice that he could put his fly on a dime, <laughs> you know, at like, at like 35, 40 yards. The guy could cast like no one's, but I was like, holy cow, yeah. what in the world? And then I, I kind of figured it out from there. So I'm just hoping I can get it out 30 to 40 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, forty yards might be a little bit of an yeah. exaggeration, but he. <laughs> the point is, he could. He, 
there's he probably could, but he was uh it was the best fly casting I have ever seen from anyone ever in my life was mm. the way he he his control and his his casting ability was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, um we've talked a little bit about, you know, your path and stuff, but like really what got you you know, if your dad didn't hunt and, and things like that, you know, kind of what was growing up for you like and, and, and how did you know what your career path was going to be? Like, where did that start to take take hold? You know, because you've done a lot of different things now and uh, pretty yeah. cool, uh, pretty cool story there. Yeah, I mean, again, I I uh, was Dr. Vaccaro and Carlos. They they invited me on some some hunt, some local hunts and fishing trips and stuff and. And, uh, and man, it just really started to manifest. And I grew up in, in sort of that, I mean, close to downtown, uh, I could ride my bike to the Astrodome and Astroworld and all that and did. And, uh, I I'd go down, we'd go down to, uh, Buffalo Bayou and fish in Buffalo mm-hmm. Bayou. I mean, back then and, and as, as kids and getting all kinds of trouble down there. But, uh, to say that, Fishing and hunting for me growing up was the most important. It's, I mean, it's just what I wanted to do. My brother and his friends were doing it. I looked up to all of them. They were four years older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they would take me and carry me along on those trips. And, and it just got to where that's sort of a one track mind. That's, that's really what I wanted to do was hunt and fish. And I was, uh, I was nine years old, I think nine, nine years old when uh, my friend's dad said, Hey, do you want to go to Mexico and dove hunt with us down in Mexico? And I was like, well, I'd love to go. I'm nine. And my parents aren't going to let me go. And uh, so I walked down, down two houses down. And I asked my parents, I said, can I go to Mexico with the Vaqueros? And it was the last, it was going to be like, we were going to get back the day before school started. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You can, which I was shocked. And, uh, so we went, we went to dove hunting down in Tamaulipas and in San Fernando Valley. And that was the first of many, many years of hunting in Mexico. But, uh, that really sort of built, just kind of fueled that fire. Yeah. Uh, we ended up coming back two days after school had started, which didn't go over super, super well at the, at the house. But, um, you know, it was a long time ago, and my parents were pretty easy going about that. You weren't that. driving, right? So you right. I, mean, I, I, I was nine years old. What am I saying? <laughs> I mean, it's, and of course, we called them and told them what was going on in a couple of days. But the hunting was so good that Dr. Carroll did not want to come back. And so I'll, I'll never forget that. But, yeah, and uh, I went to Stephen F. Austin uh, and hunt, hunting and fishing public land. Mecca at that time was type two hunting. Lake Nacogdoches, Rayburn wasn't far, Angelina River, just incredible uh, hunting and fishing opportunity. I think that's really the reason I went there. Yeah. Uh, and then did an internship with Parks and Wildlife with the law enforcement division. Came back, went, and went to work for Parks and Wildlife as a game warden. Was there for 27 years as a, as a game warden. And uh, the best, most incredible 20, 27 years of my life, working with the the – all of the multiple divisions at parks and wildlife, but specifically in the law enforcement division working for those folks was a, was a dream come true. I had a paper I wrote in eighth grade about wanting to be a game warden. So it was really a, truly a dream 
a dream come true for me. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. And so uh, it was absolutely I and mean, it just the blink of an eye, it was over and, uh, and it was time to go. But it was a great just that opportunity is just a blessing from God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a great place to work. Um, where were you first stationed at once you became a warden? I was in Tyler County, often confused with with uh, Tyler. And no, it's not Tyler, much, much smaller. It's Tyler County. Woodville is the is the county uh, county seat, little town. There, uh, next next door county over is uh, Jasper County mm-hmm. to the east, and then Polk County to the west, Livingston to the west, and Jasper to the east, and all that East Texas. That was all in my region. So yeah. I would, you know, became friends with a lot of the local game wardens, and we'd go poach into other not poach poach, but poach other game wardens areas, and 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 try to catch people in other counties that were breaking the law. But that brings up something, and we were kind of touching on it before the call, too, is that the education was a huge part of how I was socialized into law enforcement. And so the value of a war, I mean, I I rode a lot with DPS. I rode a lot with the sheriff's office. I rode a lot with other game wardens. And so I, I, I mean, I'm talking about game wardens, legendary game wardens like Raymond Kossub and Bob Hall. Luke McMahon, Mike Wheat, these guys uh, that have forgotten more than I would ever know about being a game warden. And so to be socialized uh, by some of those some of those folks uh, was pretty incredible. I got to know and meet uh, Billy Platt, who was a legendary game warden down in that country that had retired, but I still got to meet him. And so just being around those people. Yeah. I got to see how they operated and it was always more about let's find the folks that are really trying to break the law that are, you know, dead set on having no respect for the resource uh, versus maybe people that made a mistake. Uh, and so it was the power, sort of the power of that education and power of a warning. I mean, a, I had a supervisor one time that, that told me early on, it's like, unless it's just so egregious, that you can't, that you have to write a ticket, do your best. If there's a, if, if, if they're taking their kids hunting or fishing, do your best to ed- use that as an educational. And, and that's how I was socialized. So I, I was never, don't get me wrong. I'd write a ticket in a New York minute if someone needed one. Yeah. But, um, but there was lots of times where, Hey, you know, let's, here's what you need to do. And verbal warning. And I never, never scolded them in front of their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you just, you know, you want you you don't want negative. Yeah, yeah. As as Carter Smith said, has said many times, they're going to never forget that interaction with you, whether it's a inland fisheries biologist or a tech or a game warden or someone at a state park. Um, they're never going to forget that interaction with a with someone from Parks and Wildlife. So let's make it as positive yeah. as, you, as you can. And uh, and again, there's. The law is there, and, and it needs to be respected and enforced. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty. I mean, I wrote plenty of tickets, but it's not always about that. And I think that there's a lot of times there's a there's a deeper calling uh, and a better way to handle a situation if you can sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Yeah. And, and I was going down the, the law enforcement path when I was growing up, you know, I was real involved with the police explorers group back home in Oklahoma. And, mm-hmm. and, um, even when I got into college at LSU, you know, I took some law enforcement classes with some game wardens that were putting them on up there. And, but I just kind of, I kind of drifted towards the, the research side, the field work, you know, type of sure. thing. And that's the path I went down and man, I'm glad everything, you know, everything happens for a reason. And just the opportunities that came up for me, you know, at that point in my life, yeah. just had just kind of built up and, and led me and end up and never thought I'd ever live in Texas, especially down here on the coast. I mean, I had no saltwater experience besides fishing on a party boat two times in Port Aransas. And I had plenty of freshwater experience, yeah. you know, and yeah. that got me the job. And Yeah, I had a good friend, uh, one, one of my best friends, his son went down that same path that you're talking about and uh, ended up going to uh, Texas A&M at Kingsville and then to Sol Ross mm-hmm. and uh, for the wildlife on the wildlife side. And I had, at first I was like, well, Sam, you know, you need to be a game board and let's, but then I, I saw his passion for the research and um, you know, we're, we're and, and it would have been completely wrong of me to try to, not that I, not that Sam and his dad would have allowed me to do that, but I mean, it was a perfect fit for Sam and, uh, and he'll, he'll, he's going to, uh, the future of conservation is in good shape because of people like, like Sam. So, yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just had a lot of weird, not weird things happen, but you know, I, I got to go to Germany when I was 13 years old. Um, just I ne- like, kind of like you about going to Mexico. I never thought my parents would ever let me go over here, but our teacher had asked and, She's probably the best teacher this day I've ever had. Um, actually got to take her and her husband fishing this year down here. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, wow. uh, we did a podcast together. It was really good. And, but you know, that kind of opened the door and I did a couple exchange programs over there. And, um, I've probably mentioned this story before on another show, on another podcast, but you know, when it came time for me to go back on the exchange student side, I, I remember walking in to my German class and my teacher, Gerald Loveless, who was like, uh, York, just sit down in the back. Um, I've already got somebody picked out for you and everybody else. Meanwhile, is looking through the, you know, looking who they want to partner with as their exchange partners. And I was kind of what, how come I don't get to choose? Right. And I, I found out real quick why, you know, cause um, the, the dad of, and the kid loved to fish. The dad actually was in charge of the forestry department over there was in charge of all the hunting and fishing in that oh, area. Wow. Oh my God. And so I mean, we're still best of friends today. Um, you know, when they come back and forth and, and stuff. But I mean, he, he exposed me to so many things, you know, in a different country and it's totally different over there. Totally. 100%. Everything's totally different in Europe. 
Um, but I learned so much from spending time with him and I ended up going twice and spending the whole summer, both times. Oh my gosh. I'll just go to work with him and, uh, go to do the school thing. And then as soon as I get back, we were fishing or going hunting or doing something with his, with his work with the forestry department, which was over everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just if I would have never went to Germany that first time, I never would have ended up there later, you know, and, uh. And that really kind of solidified what I was wanting to do. So yeah, those those are those little happenstances. I mean, the way the impact they have on your socialization. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pr- pretty pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. It really sort of that helps us decide our path for sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, so I know there's um there's a couple other things I want to touch on. There's a there's I know BHA's got a probably a very strong opinion on this as far as, you know, with the, the funding, you know, for excise taxes and, and things like that, that, you know, there's some stuff going on in, in Washington that's coming mm-hmm. up. And um, I don't know if people realize how, how much money is awarded to the States, you know, through the sport fish wildlife restoration acts and, and how that has helped not only agencies like TPWD and, and all the state agencies, but um, just how much that benefits, you know, going out and and it seems like that 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 funding keeps going up because especially since 2020 just because so many more people are, are getting in the outdoors and stuff and you know and there's i guess a little bit of a an attack coming on and, and some i guess some a bill that's been presented yeah yeah it's very unfortunate and, and Pittman robertson dollars the the, the Pittman robertson act that you're speaking about uh yeah it goes by i mean FDR signed that into yeah. law. That's that's how long the most successful fund conservation funding, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about. I mean, it it it, it touch. If you're improving habitat, you're it, it touches fish and wildlife. It 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 it's it's all it all goes downstream. I mean, we could talk about that for hours, but it's the most successful funding mechanism for state wildlife agencies, period. And so you have uh, this, this proposed law, um, you know, being, being discussed, unfortunately, that would, uh, you know, eliminate that. Uh, it's a tax on, you know, basically we're talking about a tax on sporting goods, fire, firearms primarily, um, that, uh, and, and so someone has decided that they want to remove that tax from firearms. Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate. Uh, I don't think in my opinion that it's going to pass, but it could. And the fact that it's even being discussed as a travesty. So yeah. um, I don't know if you have the ability uh, at the end of your, at the end of your podcast or, or, or somehow to, uh, to share some links on that, but I can provide those to you Absolutely. in ways to con- ways to contact your, your congressman uh, if you're so inclined to, uh, to, you know, to, to discuss that specific, uh, mm-hmm. that specific legislation is very, very unfortunate. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, and just, I think just people just aren't aware about what, you know, where some of that money goes or even that it's even being put on there, you know, and for so long. And, and um, it'd really be a shame because I mean, it funds so much, good work and and all across the country and uh, 
It, it does. And, and the, the other legislation that's looming out there is the RAWA, which is Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which will impact habitat, fisheries impact, and, uh, and wildlife impact, uh, wildlife habitat. Uh, so it, 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 it will impact both very significantly in an extremely positive way, which translates, if passed, would mean you know, plus $50 million a year uh, would come to Texas alone, which is a hu- huge amount. Um, and, uh, and that's passed the, the house, the U S house, and it's, uh, you know, being, being, uh, in committee. And then of course it has to pass the Senate. So that would be another thing that we would, we would encourage folks to do is call their Senator U S Senator and ask them to, uh, to support the recovering America's wildlife act. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it seems like it's been in up there for a while. Like, I don't know. Been when up there for go a while. Through, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's been up there for a while. And like I said, it has passed the house and you know, that, those, those wheels turn slow. <laughs> we think they turn slow in Texas. They really turn slow up there. In Washington for sure. Yeah. Nothing, nothing goes very fast in Washington. It seems That's like right. so. That's right. Yeah. But, well, um, well, I want to touch on how, how can people um, get involved with BHA specifically here in Texas and then even on a national level. Um, sure. And then, um, you know, I know there's 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 a lot of things I've seen. You know, that y'all do across the state. You know, for little get-togethers, little in certain mm-hmm. areas and, and stuff like that, and and, sure. and things. So, yeah, no, uh, a, cu- a couple of different ways, and I appreciate that. Uh, BHA is a is a if it's it's one of those organizations where, of course, it's nonpartisan. But if you you know, you can be a hiker and be in BHA. You can be a, a hunter. You can be an angler. You can be a fly fisher. You can be conventional. Uh, you can be a kayaker. You can be a boat owner. You can hunt private land or public land or both. Um, and you know, just, again, spe- specifically talking about public land, a lot of times we don't think about waterfowl hunting in Texas, but it's the majority of waterfowl hunting in Texas occurs on public land, on public waters. Mm-hmm. So so that's, that's you know, we, we need to remember that. Uh, a good way, and, and the other thing is, Come to an event at BHA. If if you know, even before you join, we'd love to have you sign up right now. I think it's twenty five dollars is the lowest member, and so we're not talking about a lot of money. But uh, come to a to an event. Come to a pint night, which is just simply a social gathering that we talk about issues. Uh, some of the issues at BHA that we're doing locally around the state. We have them in Dallas, Houston, Austin. Occasionally, we have them in other parts of the state. Uh, you. What I would encourage you to do is to come to, which we're going to be advertising soon on the BHA uh, Facebook and Instagram page, on the Texas BHA page, is public land cleanups. We call them public land packouts. And basically, we, we adopt a public land. We schedule a meeting, uh, or not a meeting, but a gathering at a certain, either it could be a WMA, it could be a core mm-hmm. property, just some sort of a public land uh, or waterway that we would meet on a specific time. We provide lunch. We provide the trash bags. Let's go clean it up as best as we can. And that's a way that it's like there's a trail from point A going down maybe to a public fishing access point or going down to where there's a duck blind or or whatever. And it's like we have the power to clean that up right now, today. Mm-hmm. And so that's something very tangible that people can see. And I think it also instills a sense of ownership because we we, we that's ours. That's how we do. We're public landowners, all of us, everybody, it's whether we use them or not, they, they belong to us. So it's a way for us to steward those. I mean, don't get me started on the folks that throw the trash down, but 
hey, let's let's go clean it up. And so we've had we've had people that have gone to those and then taken a step into an adult mentored hunting trip from there. And then you, you turn around and they're at the conservation event, conservation conversation event. And they're, you know, flying the BHA flag uh, or flying a conservation flag. So that that's what I, I would recommend if you, if you picked one. And I was looking at my calendar right now. Um, but the Loco Trash Bash. Uh, yeah, Trash Bash <laughs> is coming up on November the 12th. And that's something that Alvin – and Lene from All Water Guides have, have, have been working on and, and other volunteers from Texas River School and and uh, and, and other organizations have, have worked on together. But uh, it's turned, I think that we got five tons of trash last yeah. year. Five tons? Are you kidding me? It's uh, November 12th at 7 a.m. from 7 a.m. to 3 p. And there's going to be an after party from 3 p. to 6 p. Uh, there's there's information that uh, you can go to the website, Lower Colorado River uh, Trash Bash. Or you can check them out on the on the All Water Guides uh, uh, Instagram or Facebook. But you can just Google Lower Colorado River Trash Bash. You can also follow BHA on our Instagram or Facebook, and we're going to be putting those those pack outs, those cleanups on that here real soon as well. So you have multiple opportunities. The other thing you can do is just you don't have to wait on us. You know, go grab some trash bags and yeah. go to some public land. And, hey, do your do your thing and. Shoot us a picture. Send us a picture on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll put it out there. Because I think that's at the end of the day that that's that's something that is uh, you know just someone going out and and say I'm going to spend a morning or an evening cleaning this place up, or just even if it's a little bit of it. We go fish. We fish the uh, the I'm sure you fish the surf being in Galveston, but we fish the surf a lot down at Padre Island Seashore. We always take trash bags and 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 you know leave it better than we found it. Um, and, and I realize some of that stuff's washing up from who knows where, but Hey, we still got to clean it up. Uh, that Billy Sandifer Memorial, uh, mm-hmm. pins trash cleanup will be coming up as well. And that's, that's another great event that, uh, you, know, you got folks from parks and wildlife out there, uh, other organizations. And then of course you have volunteers, BHA is always there. So CCA is there. So that, that, those cleanups, I think, I think would be a great place to start. Um, if you want to get involved with BHA. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. I've done several down here in the Galveston area with other groups and stuff. And sure. I mean, you just, you feel a sense of accomplishment when you're done because yes. you see yeah. it when you start, you know, yeah. and it, it drives me crazy. You know, just the Texas city dike down here where I launched from a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Texas city does a great job trying to keep that place clean. Um, they're out there after, I mean, they're out there all, all, all seven days of the week cleaning up trash, but <laughs> Why people leave it on the ground? I have no idea. And fishing line, especially. I mean, you drive down that oh, road when the sun's just right, and there's just line everywhere. You know, yeah. and it it just irks me to death. And and um, you know, one of the things, one of the big things that um, we do at our coastal brigade camp. You know, my my good friend Michael Shear, who helps run Fishing Future, is we we really harp on the kids. You know, about monofilament recycling and and stuff, yes. and they actually get to build their own tube um to take back with them and put it somewhere in their community and then monitor it and stuff and we've had some of these kids they've written their own written their own grants and, oh yeah i mean one of them got great? funded for like a hundred of these things and <laughs> got them built and put out um, they moved to north carolina and they had our texas coast brigade stickers on all these tubes out there you I know or it. maybe it was west virginia but yeah. um 
you know, just, just stuff like that, you know, starting them out young and, and, um, you know, somebody sees you doing something like that. Maybe they're going to think, Hey, maybe I can pick up this over here while I'm over here too, you know, setting a good example. And I think, I think too, it's, it's, you know, people are always like, Hey, what, if I could do one thing, find a way to take someone fishing and take that. I mean, if if take a, even take a parent hunting or fishing, so then they can take their, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, I think we owe that, uh, you know, sort of paying it forward. It's like people have done that for us, whether it was a parent or a friend. So we, we need to return that favor. And, uh, I think that too has got to have some way, some some reason of why we both guide. I mean, you're certainly not going to get rich doing it, yeah. right? Um, and maybe break even, but I think it's just it's just getting, it's doing your try, trying to get the word out, just kind of doing our thing. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so speaking of guiding, um, you know, did you? How long have you been doing that now? Since you just since you retired, or yeah, since I retired. Yeah. Yeah. That's our um, so how can people find out about that if they wanted to come and, and go out with you up there in the Austin area? Yeah. I mean, and, and kind of, kind of what I'm, I, I like to really specialize you know, on the lakes, lakes and rivers. Uh, I do a lot of lake fishing, Lake Travis, Buchanan, uh, some on LBJ, but really Travis and Buchanan. It's like, yes, you can go catch quality bass on uh, black bass, largemouth bass, and of course stripers and hybrids and white bass, but, uh, on lakes. And I also enjoy doing the, the Lano and the San Saba as well. Um, unfortunately, in fact, I had a trip on Saturday we had to cancel because of the river level. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're dragging more than you. Know, it's no fun for anybody. And so uh, what I would do is just, is I uh, go to all water guides and, uh, and book through all water guides. Lanae will, uh, will, will hook you up. And, and uh, if I'm not available, there, there's a host of other guides mm-hmm. there that can get you out. But, um, that's where I do most of my, most of my booking is through them. And they've been gracious enough to bring me, uh, you know, bring me on board and, and, uh, I'm, I get to, we're going to have a little get together on the 11th. So I'm looking forward to that in a couple of days, but, nice. uh, yeah, I mean, we like Lake Travis right now is fishing so well. Uh, the top water bite is on fire. Uh, poppers are on fire on Lake Travis right now. The wind's been great. I don't know if you know. Well, I'm sure you noticed it on the coast. It's like March came, or late February came, and the wind started, and it never stopped. Yeah, it was. was I'm talking about there was no relief. Yeah, I took two ladies fishing out on on uh, LBJ to to go up the uh, the uh, Lano Arm to for some white bass for the white bass run, and the white bass were there. I'd fished it two days before, and, and, and a good friend of mine, uh, David Yates, and I got on some fish, and mm-hmm. and, and um, man, the wind, the wind, it was a, like the one windless, and I and I thought it was going to be a little bit borderline, but it picked up, and they they never complained, they never said a word. I mean, it was unbelievable. You, you do your best just to cast, and so we had a really hard time this spring, but right now the wind is has been favorable for. For like a month, yeah. Of course, no rain, good. but the wind's been great. So the popper, popper bite, and the streamer bite on on uh, Travis is amazing right now. Nice. Well, definitely gonna get up there and, and go out with you at some point. And, uh, and I want to get down and fish triple tail fish with you now. Yeah, next. man, let's do it. So they, they've about all left, haven't they? Now or there's still get... some. There's still some oh. around. Um, okay. You know, um, um, we've had a 
flurry of mahi mahi this year in close. See, I mean, I've there's been, been people catching that. three, four miles out. You know, I've been and, hearing and, about that, and the same thing's happening in California. Yeah, it's You're nuts. Right. Yeah. Um, there was probably about four years ago we had a similar thing with the mahi coming in really close. I mean, usually you can get them, you get out 10, 15 miles. Yeah. If you see a weed line or something trash, you, you, you're probably going to see something on there, whether it's tripatel or mahi or something. But this year, everybody I know goes offshore, they're, they're bringing back mahi almost every trip oh, and, uh, and, and nice ones. You know, I'm not talking peanut dolphin. I mean, right. these are, you know five to 10 pound fish so oh man and, you know for in close and, and a lot of big a lot of big fish further out but um yeah you know, we've had several good triple tail this year you know up 15 pounds or so and, and stuff and uh if you've never done any fishing like that dude it's something else so they're just i just i call them saltwater crappie just kind of the way they look but yes. man they're so fun to, to target you know yeah. totally different type of fishing so yeah oh no they're 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 uh they're a lot of fun. I've, I've gone out there a little bit in Matagorda for them, but I, I need to go with an expert. So I'd, I'd love to go with you. Yep. So, well, um, have you got any, uh, 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 an interesting or crazy story from everybody always asks, you know, game warden stories like that kind of end on here. You got anything oh, that you can think of you could, we could throw in here at the end. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, there's there's a bunch of them. I'm trying to remember one that I can actually <laughs> I can actually talk about, but um, yeah, I mean, there's one that I always that sort of just speaks to you. And I, I've I've talked about it before, but it speaks to sort of the the you know the heart the, the, of, of people and how the average person they're you just is just good. You know, the, they're intrinsically good people, and there's so there's there's so many of them. Even the ones that, that may, uh, you know, were brought up in a way that they maybe see the resource as a, as, as a source of, uh, well, of course, I hope we do see in, in certain situations where it's appropriate. I hope we do see it as a source of food uh, where appropriate. You know, obviously we practice catch and release a lot, but hey, there's certain times and situations where it's perfectly acceptable to, to harvest fish in, in game. And, that, and that's, a, that's a big, I think it's important to have that connection. Um, but anyway, so I, I was brand new uh, game warden. And I think it was one of the first times that I had actually gone out by, my, by myself without Mike or, or loot. And uh, I was like maybe there for uh, maybe a week or two. I mean, I had just gotten there. And, you know, you, you ride around with the game wardens that are there uh, to try to, you know, say this is, this is you know, the county. And you kind of learn your county, right? And so I had decided to go down to this place. It was called Barlow Lake Estates, and it was below Danby on the Natchez River. In a pretty, pretty, um, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's East Texas. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way towards East Texans because they're salt of the earth people. And I spent yep. a lot of time over there, and I have a lot of good friends that are but from East Texas. But this is a quintessential I'm talking about. If you think about East Texas, that's what, that's what you got. So um, there was a boat ramp there, and I was in my, I was in a 1989 Caprice. Uh, obviously, a, a car was what my patrol vehicle was with a mm. bungee cord that held the trunk down, <laughs> and uh, it was not in the best of shape. And I, I, you know, you graduate from the academy, and they just at that time it's like, hey, here you go, here's your car. I was so happy to get it. I couldn't tell you how proud I was. I watched that car like three times in the first the first day. But anyway. I get down there and there's a, there's a 
boat. There's a guy pulling his boat out of the ramp right as I'm pulling up. So I, you know, you know, and I'm I'm pretty lanky right now, but I, I was born I was like you know six three, and I think I weighed like 170 pounds or something. And uh, and I walk over to him, and I mean, I just, I mean, I thought, hey, to say I might have been a little cocky was was probably maybe a little understatement at the time, but I was just really proud to be a game board. And uh, I walked over to him and I said, hello, sir, how you doing? And uh, state game board, he said, yeah, I see that. And I said, well, I just, you doing any good? And of course he had these, these sacks of cheese in his boat that I had no idea that that's, you know, that he'd been running nets, you know, I really didn't hit on that. But, uh, but anyway, he, he ended up talking to me for like 30 minutes, really interesting guys. Last name was Eason. And, uh, that's pretty well-known family down there. And, uh, you know, he starts telling me about parts of the river and sandbars and the different oxbows and all his knowledge. And I was just, I was fascinated. I mean, I was like, he's like, hey, you want to get in, top in the boat with me sometime? And of course, he was wearing, he wasn't wearing any shoes or anything. And, and uh, just an interesting person, very knowledgeable about the river, probably knew it better than anybody. And uh, I got to know the Easton family quite well over the next five years. Some of it was um, not always. Uh, as as uh, positive as this interaction, but he uh, and some of it was a lot of it was, but so we 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 had our conversation and we kind of had a little bond, and uh, I basically we parted. You know, I said, like, "Well, hey, thank, thanks for your time." And he's like, "Thank you," and I think I asked him to check his life jacket, even though he was up at the boat ramp or whatever. Yeah, and he showed me his life jacket. But I'm walking off, going back to my car, and he says, "Hey, just so you know." And I turned around and I said, yes, sir. He said, the only seasons I believe in are salt and pepper. <laughs> so it's, so, uh, he, he, uh, yeah, he was telling me right there how the cow ate the cabbage, but yeah. uh, we had, a, we had a run in or two after that, but it was, it was always, uh, it just was what it was. It was like, kind of like a game of chess and, and, uh, there was no disrespect really on either, either way, but it was like, I had a job to do and he felt like he had a, he had a right to what he was doing, and yep. we kind of met in the middle sometimes. Yep, yep. What 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 was your take on on the the startup uh, with Lone Star Law and all that? So, I mean, I've 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 been on the show once, um, yeah, working with Jennifer down here, um, right, with some stuff. But um, you know, as far as public, from my perception, it's been a good thing for the department in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't know, you know, from your standpoint, you know, since you were there, you know, when it started. Yeah, I was working when it started and it was a group of group of game wardens that, that had been had kind of come up, come up with that idea. You know, Maine had done it first and and uh, and it certainly wasn't my idea. I don't you know, want to take any credit for it, but um, it was a it was a deal where we, we had a region. We had a majors meeting, which was like majors and above and. And I think there were some assistant commanders there as well. And, and the colonel at the time, the lieutenant colonel at the time. And uh, we, we, went, we went, you know, met with the production company and went around the table and kind of had a vote. And it was probably about, it was, it was pretty, I would say it's pretty close to being, you know, unanimous at the time, wanting to do it. And uh, I was the chief of special operations at the time. And uh, yeah, we did it. And I'll tell you from when you get a, a tweet or an email or a handwritten letter from a 10, 11, 12 year old girl who says, 
how being a game warden is her is her dream now. Mm-hmm. I think that really says it all. I mean, you and I and others can can dissect the show and say, well, this this game warden made that mistake, and this game warden shouldn't have said that. This game warden quoted the the made a mistake in quoting the law, or or wasn't watching his back. We we could guess what. I make mistakes every single day. Yep. You make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I don't want – if someone's following me around with a camera, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many mistakes I would make in a day. So that's not the purpose of Lone Star Law. The purpose of Lone Star Law is just outreach and education and, and maybe recruitment yep. and, and maybe, you know, getting the word out on, hey, this is what game wardens and parks and wildlife and biologists, this is what we do. And for, for the people and for the resources of the of the great state of Texas. So that to me really is the message. And, you know, again, when you got kids dressing up as little mini game wards and parks yeah. of wildlife employees for Halloween in droves, it, it, it makes you proud. And, and, and I do want to end it on, on a note that, uh, you know, nothing at parks and wildlife that ever happened in my tenure. Um, I didn't co- accomplish anything by myself ever it was all through and, and the ideas were other people's ideas and um you know i was just lucky at the right time be at the right place in the right time sometimes but um i have the utmost respect for our game wardens our biologists our admin our admin their support staff our boatmates mm-hmm. our techs um hats off to the, to everyone because it takes a team it's one team um you know the the biologists uh, and game wardens have given their life for conservation to improve conservation for, for the resource and for, for, for the state, for the people of the state. They're given their life uh, in responding to natural disasters. The first two game wardens died in a hurricane responding to that in 1919. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it means a lot to me. And the fact that you're allowing someone like me, an old retired game warden to come on a podcast means a lot personally to me. And I appreciate that. Appreciate what you do and how you uh, get the word out on hunting and fishing and education and and conservation. And you've also dedicated your life to conservation. So I want to thank you for your service and for what you've done for Texas and and for the resources and for the people of Texas. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to you. I appreciate that, Graham. And, um, And this has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm really glad we got got to do this, and uh, you know, I definitely um, really hope people reach out and, and try to get involved with one of these. Not just here in Texas, but just all over the place, and sure. all over the country. Listen to this show, and, and, and I'm really excited about those opportunities. And uh, um, yeah, and hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to talk to you, you know, later about you know getting involved with the. Toward hunts and stuff like yeah. that. And see, love see that. With, so. Would love that. Would love that. Or fishing would love that. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well, it's been good. Good talking to you. Okay, brother. Don't be a stranger and let's come fishing. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Man.